0: Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Well, we want to continue in our study of the book of Revelation. And as we come to chapter two, we have now here the messages to the churches. Now, these messages were sent to the Christian churches that were located in seven cities of the Roman province of Asia at the end of the first century. There were, however, more than seven churches. The fact that only seven churches were chosen suggests their symbolic significance. Seven is the number of fullness, of completeness. And this indicates that these messages are for the entire Christian church. Now, it's important to keep in mind that these seven messages were sent to actual churches with real challenges. These churches were in important, prosperous cities located on the main postal road that connected them. Now, under the Roman government, they generally enjoyed peace and prosperity and sort of as a token of gratitude and loyalty to Rome, several of the cities set up emperor worship in their temples. Emperor worship was compulsory as the duty of all citizens. Citizens were also expected to be involved in cities' public events and participate in pagan religious ceremonies. Serious consequences awaited those that refused to participate. So commissioned by Christ, John wrote to the churches as their pastor to, to help them With the challenges of their pagan environment. Although they were originally sent to the churches in Asia Minor, these messages were not only for them. The messages to the seven churches contain valuable lessons that apply to Christians in all time periods. Revelation being a prophetic book, well, therefore, the spiritual conditions of the seven churches correspond remarkably to the spiritual conditions of Christianity in a different period of history. All this shows that the seven messages are intended to provide a panoramic survey of Christianity from heaven's perspective. Each message contains the same format, an address, an introduction of Jesus, Jesus' appraisal of the church, Jesus' warning to the church, an appeal to hear the Spirit, and then the promises to the overcomers. Well, So with that in mind, let's look at the first message. It was located, it was directed to the church located in Ephesus, which would be modern-day Western Turkey. It would be the nearest of the seven churches to Patmos. Ephesus was the capital city of the province of Asia, the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire with a population of some 250,000 people, a very prominent city, very cosmopolitan city. It was referred to as the gateway to Asia. The city was also notorious for immorality and superstition. Paul, as we know, established the church there, and the church grew rapidly, and soon became an important center for early Christianity. Now, at the time of the writing of the Revelation, the church was still strong in faith and had preserved the purity of the gospel. It was also most likely the home of John, both before and after his exile to Patmos. Now, the Christians living there experienced all kinds of pressure from the pagans. These included opposition and accusations from the pagan brothers there for their refusal to participate in any of the pagan religious activities. So let's look at Revelation chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Here's what it says. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the work of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat, of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So Jesus here presents himself to the church in Ephesus as the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Jesus then commends the church for several great qualities. Despite living in a pagan environment and being surrounded by pagan lifestyle and immoral acts, The members have worked hard and have demonstrated patient endurance for the sake of the gospel. They stood firm in the face of persecution. Despite the pressure from outside, they had not grown weary. The church was also doctrinally sound. It exercised discernment in testing false apostles and did not tolerate their false teachings in its midst. They made every effort to preserve the purity of the gospel and prevent falsehood from corrupting the members. But in spite of these great qualities, this hard-working and faithful church had a serious flaw. This church was now backsliding in love. In their early days they were known for their love, but now several decades later that love was fading. In putting all of the emphasis on right actions and sound doctrine, the members were declining in love for Christ, and as a result, their love for each other had faded. Their religion had become loveless and legalistic. They were doing what was right, but their works became cold and lacking love for Christ and their fellow members. And so Jesus appeals to the church with three imperatives. One, remember from where you have fallen, repent, and number three, do the deeds that you did at first. You see, first the Ephesians were to remember by recalling their first love for Christ and for each other, they would then realize what their current spiritual condition was. Then he says they should repent. Jesus says to them, calls them to turn away from their present condition and turn back to God. And finally, they were to do the deeds they did at first. It is not love to the detriment of doing good. The revitalization of their first love for Jesus was going to result in them doing right. If they return to their love and devotion to Jesus... Well, they will naturally then love their fellow humans. So the situation of the church in Ephesus corresponds to the situation and the spiritual condition of the church in general in the first century. The first century church was a church that was characterized by, by love and faithfulness to the gospel. But by the time John wrote the book of Revelation, the church had begun to lose the fire of its first love, thus departing from the simplicity and the purity of the gospel. Now, the second message was addressed to the church in Smyrna, Revelation 2, beginning at verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last, who died and came to life, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested for 10 days. You will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. So Smyrna was about 55 kilometers north of Ephesus. It was another important city. Its geographical location earned it the reputation of having the most convenient and the safest harbor of any trade city in Asia. Its location, the trade, the fertile soil made Smyrna a very wealthy city with a population of about 200,000 people. Now, Jesus introduces himself to the church in Smyrna as the first and last, the one who died and came to life. Now, these characteristics of Jesus correspond to their situation. You see, the members were going through persecution, and we're anticipating even more severe persecution. So Jesus comes to them as the one who understands their situation because he's, he too was persecuted to the point of death. He will be there with them in their trials to sustain them. First, you see, Jesus says, I know their affliction. I know what your affliction is. Second, they are in extreme poverty and destitute. They have nothing. Their poverty is related to the persecution that they are experiencing. Because of their loyalty to Jesus, many church members were ostracized and lost their jobs. Some were sent to prison and some to death. However, while poor in material goods, Smyrna is rich in grace and faith. The Christians in Smyrna were in constant fear for their future, And Jesus gently admonishes them, do not fear what you are about to suffer. See, they are about to experience even more serious trials and even imprisonment. But Jesus urges them, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. They are given the promise that they will not be hurt by the second death. The experience of the church in Smyrna coincided with the severe persecution of the Christians throughout the Roman Empire during the second and third centuries. The third message was addressed to the church located in Pergamum, a city some 60 kilometers northeast of Smyrna. The city of Pergamum served as the capital city of Asia for more than two and a half centuries, although this honor was also claimed by Ephesus. It was not only a city of political importance, but also the center of intellectual life. Its famous library of some 2,000 volumes was the second largest only after the one in Alexandria. It was also a reputed religious center, the first city in Asia to embrace emperor worship and the first to build a temple to the emperor Augustus. Now, near the city stood the immense shrine of Asclepius, the Greek god of healing. Asclepius was called the savior and was represented by a serpent, an emblem retained today by modern medical profession. In John's time, The shrine of Asclepius experienced great popularity. People came from all over the globe to be healed there. All these things created a difficult situation for the Christians there in Pergamum, Revelation chapter 2, beginning now at verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamum, write the words of him who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. so also you have some who hold to the the teachings of the Nicolaitans, therefore repent. If not, I will come to you soon and war against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on the stone that no one knows except the one who receives it. Here, Jesus identifies himself to the Christians in Pergamon as the one who has the sharp two-edged sword. Jesus assures the church that the power of life and death belongs only to him. Humans might claim the power, but the last word belongs to Jesus. Jesus. Jesus said to the Christians in Pergamon that he knew they lived in a place that was antagonistic to them. They lived in a city where Satan dwelt and where his throne was situated. In other words, at the very headquarters of Satan's activities. Yet most of them remained unwavering in their faithfulness to Christ. Now, not all Christians in Pergamon remained faithful, though there were some that compromised their Christianity with pagan practices. These people were encouraging their fellow Christians to avoid persecution by compromising in emperor worship and participation in pagan activities. You see, while the church in Ephesus strongly resisted these teachings, these false teachers found some adherence among the Christians in Pergamum. The situation the Church of Pergamum represents the situation of the Christian church at large during the period following the conversion of Constantine the Great to Christianity in A.D. 313. As the church finally won its struggle with paganism, the Christians no longer had to fear persecution or pressure from outside. However, many in the church chose to compromise Christianity with paganism. Pagan philosophical ideas and customs made their way into the church, gradually replacing the Bible as the source of teaching and belief. Although many Christians remained unwavering and faithful to the gospel during that period, you know, the 4th and 5th centuries, spiritual uh, decline and apostasy appeared amongst the church as the church wrestled with the temptation of compromise. The fourth message was sent to the church in Thyatira, located some 60 kilometers southeast of Pergamum. The message to this church is the longest of the seven. Revelation chapter 2, beginning at verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze, I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate the woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess, the one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end. To him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. As when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." Now this was the smallest and the least important of the seven cities. No political importance, no cultural significance. The city was known for its trades, garment making, leather works, pottery baking, and the manufacturing of royal purple and woolen goods. The city had many trade guilds and to run a business or to have a job, you needed to belong to a trade guild. Each guild had a patron god. Guild members were expected to attend the guild festivals in honor of the patron god, you know, share a common meal in the temple. That included drinking and eating meat sacrificed to that god. The festivals usually ended in immoral activities. Now, those that refused to participate in the festivals would suffer serious consequences. This created serious problems for the Christians in Thyatira. So Jesus introduces himself in verse 18, the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like burnished bronze. While to John, Jesus appeared as a Son of Man, to the church in Thyatira he appears as the Son of God. His flaming eyes denote his ability to see what is in the innermost part of humans. The church is described by Jesus as a loving, caring church, a service oriented church. Unlike the church in Ephesus that is fading in love, well, this church is growing in love. He says that your latter works exceed the first. The big problem for this church is that they have tolerated the false teachings of a woman in their midst. Now, Jesus names her Jezebel, the wife of. Uh, after the wife of King Ahab in the time of Elijah that led all of Israel to apostasy. The situation in the church at Thyatira aptly applies to the condition of the church at large during the Middle Ages. The danger of the church did not come from outside, but from those who claimed authority from God. During that period, tradition completely replaced the Bible as the basis for teaching and belief and works were regarded as the means of salvation. Those who did not condone the corrupting influence of the institutional church experienced severe persecution and even death. Well, we will continue with the messages to the seven churches on our next program. We see that Jesus' messages to these churches reveal Christ's keen interest and care for the spiritual well-being of his people. But in these messages, he's also urging us to be faithful, no matter what the consequences. Because to the Christians who remain faithful, Jesus promises a share in his victory. And he will also give them the morning star, which is a symbol of Jesus Christ. To those who remain faithful, Jesus is promising the greatest gift, the gift of himself. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we reflect on the messages to these churches, may we be warned and may we be encouraged to remain faithful to you in spite of the difficulties that so many face that they will do as the gospel says, seek your kingdom first. Because when we do that, everything else will be added upon to us. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our offer. And just before I share with you today's offer, let me just tell you, we do our very best to try to get the offers out to you in a timely manner. On occasion, we get overwhelmed with requests, and that means it takes us a little bit longer to get them all processed and mailed out. Sometimes it means that our stock has been depleted of what we had, and we have to go out and source more material, and that just takes extra time. And So I just ask that you bear with us. We've, you know, we've come through a period of some difficulties in getting some material. So things are going out a little bit slower than we would have liked. But if for whatever reason you've requested a, an offer and it hasn't come, just email us at infol 4 ltvcom Tell us what it is and we're going to give us your name and your address. We're going to do our best to get that out to you right away. Also, one more thing. when you, If you leave a voicemail, you can help us a lot by clearly articulating your name, leaving us your address, including your postal code. That speeds things up a lot for us. We don't have to call you then to get that information. Okay, today's offer is a Signs of the Times magazine. I'm not sure we've had this one before. It is called Too Loud to Ignore, God's Final Message to a Perishing World. We'd love to send this to you as a gift. No obligation whatsoever on your part. There's no charge for it. It will arrive in your home postage paid by mail. If you're interested in receiving this special edition of Signs of the Times Magazine, pay close attention to the information we're about to provide you.
1: To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at post office box 27030 Simcoe-Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe-Conlin Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number at 1-800- 972-0337. 972 337 Operators are standing by now. While on our website, you can leave a prayer request, and if impressed to do so, donate to help keep this ministry on the air. Thank you for your support.
0: We've come to the end of another program. Thank you so much for watching. I don't have a whole lot of time. A couple of things I want to remind you of. Hey, check out our website, l4ltv.com. Under the previous programs, you're gonna see a tab there uh, of this Revelation study. All of the programs will be there. You can go back and review them and you can share them with your friends. Instagram, follow me, at Santos Bill. Every morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern time, I put out a devotional video. Great way to get your day started. Follow us on X, like our Facebook page, An audio version of our program is available on our SoundCloud account. Look us up on SoundCloud. Remember to visit missionnowcanada.com, which is our humanitarian overseas branch of our ministry, doing incredible work overseas. Maybe you want to join us on an upcoming trip. We are all out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope to see you back here again next time. God bless you. We'll see you then.